Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a four-week Advent teaching series leading up to Christmas called God With Us. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Cherry Hills family. I thought it would be great to do something at the beginning of this message that would help us laugh. And so I want to share with you one of my all-time favorite stories. Many of you have heard it before. Chippy the parakeet never saw it coming. One second, he was peacefully perched in his cage. The next, he was sucked in, washed up, and blown over. The problems began when Chippy's owner decided to clean Chippy's cage with a vacuum cleaner. She removed the attachment from the end of the hose and stuck it in the cage. The phone rang and she turned to pick it up. She'd barely said hello when Chippy got sucked in. The bird owner gasped, put down the phone, turned off the vacuum and opened the bag. There was Chippy, still alive, but stunned. Since the bird was covered with dust and soot, she grabbed him and raced to the bathroom, turned on the faucet, and held Chippy under the freezing cold running water. Then, realizing that Chippy was soaked and shivering, she did what any compassionate bird owner would do. She reached for the hair dryer and blasted the pet with hot air. Poor Chippy never knew what hit him. Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. That's what the owner told a person asking about Chippy a few days later. Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. He just sits and stares. I wonder if that's how you're feeling these days with this whole challenge we've had the last nine or 10 months. Do you feel sucked in, washed up, and blown over? Well, I want to talk to you today about peace. And we come to uh, the message entitled, God with us means peace. We're in an Advent series. And I don't know if you know what Advent is, but Advent is the Latin word for arrival or the coming of someone. And so if you're following along in the notes, Advent means the arrival of God's promised Messiah. Advent means the arrival of God's promised Messiah. And we've called this series God With Us based on the words from Matthew 1, 22 and 23, where Isaiah the prophet had promised that God would send a son, a child that would be Emmanuel, God with us. And that Emmanuel, that God with us is Jesus. So the question as we talk about peace is, where is this peace if you're following along? Where's this peace on earth? The angels announce at Jesus' arrival. I was reading some statistics. A, A former president of the Norwegian Academy of Sciences and historians from England, Egypt, Germany, and India have come up with some startling information. Since 3600 BC, that's over 5,600 years ago, the world has known only 292 years of peace. During this period, there have been 14,351 wars, large and small, in which over three and a half billion people have been killed. And over 8,000 peace treaties have been made and broken. Where is this peace? Where is this peace that God promised? If you want to follow along with me, would you please read out loud there uh, the verse Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 that's in the first gray box of the notes? For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government 
will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. So today I want to talk to you about this peace. And I want to be quick to say that even some of Jesus' early followers were confused as far as how this peace would work and what this peace would mean. And it's easy for us to get the same kind of confusion. So I want to talk to you today about the greatness of his peace that Isaiah prophesied. And I want us to read from Luke's gospel that first announcement the angel made about this peace. So I want to invite you, if you would, to read with me from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And when we come to verses 13 and 14 that's found in that second gray box, I'm going to invite you to read along with me. Verse 8 starts this way. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Would you read verses 13 and 14 with me? Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So let me talk to you about this peace. And I want to specifically focus on that song that the heavenly hosts sang together after the angel had made this incredible announcement about how in our human history, the Messiah would be born into our world in this Advent season. So first, let's talk about the greatness of his peace. Notice, if you're following along, that the Prince of Peace will bring a peace that never ends. The Prince of Peace will bring a peace that never ends. I love how it says it in Isaiah 9, 7, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. But what I want you to notice that I really was struck by this week as I studied Luke 2:14, especially, if you're following along, notice that the angels connect glory to God and peace on earth. The angels connect glory to God and peace on earth, peace to people like us. So notice another thing, though, is that God, he offers peace to all, but gives it to those who have his favor. Notice that even though he's going to offer it to all people, he only gives it to those on whom his favor rests. And that begs the question of who are those people that have his favor? So if you're following along, his favor rests on those who receive and trust his Messiah. For us to know the favor of God, the favor of God that we lost when we turned from him and went our own way, for us to know that God provided this Messiah to be our substitute, to be the one that would bring us back to God. 
And that requires us not necessarily performing or doing anything, but simply receiving as a gift and trusting in his finished work, what the Messiah came to do. That's the important thing. Romans 15, 13 talks about this. Would you follow along as I read it? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. How? In believing. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. In other words, we know this peace in believing, by faith, by trusting, by receiving this incredible gift that the Messiah came to bring us. This peace can only happen if we receive the peace giver. So what I want us to see today, and I want to unpack it the rest of the message, is this next line in the notes. The key to peace is keeping together what the angels keep together. Did you notice that? Glory to God, peace to men. And so I love what John Piper shares in this. And John Piper has really helped me appreciate this whole idea. So I want to make sure I give him credit for this. But he says this, first, God is glorified because this child is born. And second, peace is spread everywhere this child is received. These are the great purposes for the coming of Jesus. Glory ever ascending to God and peace ever descending from God to men and women, boys and girls. And so as I think about this, what I want us to see, and I'm going to read one more thing he says, is this key. The key is not to separate what the angels kept together, the glory of God and the peace you and I long for. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. God's purpose is to give you peace by being the most glorious person in your life. Five times in the New Testament, he is called the God of peace. And Jesus said, my peace I give you. And Paul said, Jesus himself is our peace. What this means is that the peace of God or the peace of Christ can never be separated from God himself and Christ himself. If we want peace to rule in our lives, God must rule in our lives. Christ must rule in our lives. God's purpose is not to give you peace separate from himself. His purpose is to give you peace by being the most glorious person in your life. If you say, I want the peace, I don't want the glorious God. I want the peace, I don't want the sovereign Jesus ruling my life. You won't have peace. So the key to peace is keeping together what the angels keep together. Glory to God and peace to men. A heart bent on living for and submitting to the glory of God will know the peace of God. And I have found this to be so true. If I've tried to have peace in my life and I don't have peace with God, and I don't have the peace of God working in my life, then it just isn't the same. And so how do we know this peace? I said this a few weeks ago, but how do we let these words be more than words in our life? How do they actually become transforming and actually real in our lives? So I want to talk to you about knowing peace. First, if I want this peace, if you're following along, I must first want God's glory. If I want this peace, I must first want 
God's glory. One of the things that I've noticed is that my biggest problem is that I live for my own glory. And I don't really live for God's glory. I think this is what it means when the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And when we fall short of the glory of God, when we don't pursue his glory, that means that there's this deficit in our life, not only where we're separated from him, but also this deficit of peace. And so what does the word peace mean? In the Old Testament, the word peace was shalom. And uh, in our Advent devotional, we talk about that a little bit more as well. But let me give you a definition that I've found helpful for shalom. Interestingly, Jewish people, even to this day, greet each other and sometimes say goodbye to each other by saying shalom. So notice this is that peace or shalom means to be rightly ordered, rightly related, wholeness, harmony. The idea is of well-being. And when you think about being rightly ordered, rightly related, wholeness, harmony, and well-being, what has God done to make it possible for our lives to be rightly ordered, rightly related, and harmonious? Well, look at the words of Romans 3 that tell us about this. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. And so as we think about, again, having the peace of God, the shalom of God, it means that our relationship first with God has been rightly ordered, that now we are rightly related to him. And God has made this possible first by sending Jesus, then by allowing him and having him be the sacrifice for our sins, for our pursuing our own glory instead of God's glory. And then he is coming again to fully restore all things and to redeem us fully. And so we're thankful that this peace can be a now and also a not yet reality this Advent. So as you're thinking about it, let me just talk to you about several ways peace shows itself. First, peace with God, as we've already seen, is found in trusting Jesus as Lord. Peace with God is found in trusting, relying upon, receiving, believing, trusting in, is faith in Jesus as Lord. And notice that I said Jesus as Lord. Romans 5, 1 and 2 talks about this. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. You know what that means? That means that this Christmas, as we trust in what Christ has done for us, that means that God is now not only our father, but our friend, that we are no longer enemies. We are no longer opposed to each other. We are now rightly ordered, rightly related with him. And that enables us then to live out of a different center. And so part of having this peace with God is so foundational to the peace 
of God that we're all seeking. And as I think about the peace of God, if you're following along, notice that the peace of God comes by entrusting my worries to him. The peace of God comes by entrusting my worries to him. I've, ne- I've learned over the years that there are things that I can do that will actually take away the peace of God in my heart, that I'm no longer living in the fullness of that shalom, that peace. Years ago, when I was in uh, middle school, I uh, read a book, which was uh, a documentary book about some terrible serial killings. I don't know what fascinated me about this, but I read it one weekend when my parents were gone. And after they got back, I started noticing that I was hearing noises in my bedroom regularly, and I would have to call them in because I was becoming scared. After a while, my dad uh, noticed that I was no longer just at peace. And he said to me something I've never forgotten. He said, Jeff, when you fill your mind with these kinds of books and these kinds of things, it takes away the peace of God in your life. And I have noticed that that is really true. And sometimes it's by what we fill our minds with. Sometimes it's what we continue to focus on. And so a lot of times what I've learned about worries is that when I'm worrying, I am trying to be in control. I am trying to live to be the one instead of giving glory to God and letting him be the Lord of my life. I've suddenly taken back that kind of rulership. And every time I try and control what I can't control, it turns into worry and it begins to actually dissipate the peace of God in my life. But another thing about the peace of God is that sometimes we think of the peace of God as something that God gives us, but the way it comes to us is that we have no problems, no circumstances that might be hounding us or bothering us. And that simply isn't true. Jesus lived hounded by his enemies. Jesus lived with all kinds of people pressing in and pulling on him. And yet he lived in this kind of peace of God that he wants us to know as well. And so he did that by letting his father have his way in his life. And he wants us to learn the same kind of lessons. I had a cousin who was a year older than me and she contracted lupus. And over a number of years, it gradually destroyed her body. In the last year or two of her life, her skin was so sensitive that even a breeze across it would create tremendous pain. She would be brushing her teeth and all of a sudden vertebrae in her back would break because of all of the steroids that she had been taking at that time. And so I remember going to the hospital one time to visit her and just her asking me to just read some scripture. But one of the things I remember is that she loved a certain poem. She loved this poem by Annie Johnson Flint. Let me read the words to you. God hath not promised skies always blue, flowers strewn pathways all our lives through. God hath not promised sun without rain, joy without sorrow, peace without pain. But God hath promised strength for the day, rest for the labor, light for the way, grace for the trials, help from above, unfailing sympathy, undying love. There's one more story I'd just like to tell you when it comes to knowing the peace of God. There was a lady in our church 
who I did her funeral a number of years ago, but I had the privilege of knowing her and her husband for a number of years before she passed away. Her name was Pat, and she had uh, MS. And this MS caused her many times to have such weakness or to have episodes that would knock her down. And in the end, it was one of the things that gradually took her life. And as I think about her funeral, I was asked at her graveside to sing the words to a song called, It Is Well With My Soul. It was written by a man named Horatio Spafford from Chicago, who had gone through the terrible fire, the great fire in 1871 in Chicago. And then he had sent his daughters and wife on ahead to England on a ship. And that ship sunk. And when it did, it took his four daughters down and his wife telegram, sent a telegram home saying, saved alone. As he was making his way across those same waters to see his wife and to mourn what had happened, he was able to write some words down that have become this great hymn. Let me read just some of them. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight and the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. The peace of God doesn't mean that we don't have hard and difficult circumstances, but it means amazingly that we can know this unbelievable peace in the midst of circumstances. Some of you I know have taken great comfort in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Let me just read those words to you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all human understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So as we think about this today, I want to talk to you briefly about one more kind of peace, and that's peace with others. Peace with others can happen, I circled the word can, can happen as peace with God amazes me. Peace with others can happen as peace with God amazes me. The idea of this vertical peace with God, knowing the peace of God, is ultimately meant to become a horizontal thing, where now that peace we pass on to other people. Colossians 3:13 says it like this. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. In other words, as I continue to be amazed that God would do what he did to make peace with me and him, as I really understand the gravity of all that it cost Jesus to do that and how serious my own violations against God were, as I continue to be amazed that God has taken care of that, then I have something to pass on to someone else. I can look at them with eyes of mercy like we talked about a few months ago. 
I can look at them differently. Now, I want to make sure I say this carefully. There are some relationships that are tricky. We can do everything in our power to try and make peace with people. And sometimes it doesn't always turn out the way we hoped. Romans 12, 18 is a verse that I've put on the back of your message notes. And uh, if you want to turn those over, you'll see or, or look there to the other page. You'll see that peace in the Bible. I've listed a whole bunch of verses. And along with the Advent devotional that you have that has some verses to read as well, you can think more about this peace after this message and service is over. And I hope you will. But let me just draw your attention to a little bit over halfway down the page to Romans 12, 18. Notice these interesting words. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That if it is possible means that sometimes because of the hardness of heart or the seriousness of certain violations, some people, some people will not will not want to reconcile. But the point is, is that when the peace with God and peace of God is working in our lives, that will be our desire. We will want to be not only right with God, but also right with other people. And this Christmas season, is there a relationship that God's asking you to at least make an, an endeavor, a humble attempt to heal and to be at peace with someone? I hope you'll listen to his Holy Spirit, but it brings us back to this whole idea that unless I want to live for the glory of God, to glorify God and to honor and worship him and let him be the Lord of my life, I will not know the peace on earth that I was meant to know. And that's what he wants for you. That's what he wants for me. And so as we think about this together, would you let me pray for you that the peace of God might be yours this Christmas? God, I pray that if anyone is watching this or listening to this does not have, first of all, peace with you through Jesus Christ, that they would realize that that's their greatest need, their first most important response to make. And I pray that you will lead people this Christmas, if they haven't already, to receive you, the Messiah that was sent that first Christmas to bring peace with God and also give us the peace of God. And Lord, I pray for any difficult relationships that we might have. Show us, God, how to humbly go back to people and either apologize or at least seek peace with them, make things right, make amends if necessary. But show us how this Christmas to really let the Prince of Peace rule in our lives. Because as we let you be the Lord, then you will give us that peace that no human being can fully understand, but every human being needs. Bless you, God. Thank you so much. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information or to stay connected to Cherry Hills Church, please visit our website at cherryhillsfamily.org or follow us on Facebook.